Welcome to Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer, a podcast where testicular cancer survivors, caregivers, and others who have navigated the cancer journey share their stories. The podcast comes to you from the Max Mallory Foundation, a nonprofit family foundation focused on educating about testicular cancer in honor and in memory of Max Mallory, who died in 2016 at the young age of 22 from testicular cancer. Had he survived, Max wanted to help young adults with cancer. This podcast helps meet that goal. Here now is your host, Joyce Lofstrom, Max's mom and a young adult cancer survivor. Joyce, and I'm back with Matt Odie, who's our guest on Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer, and this is part two of our conversation, and as you might remember from our previous discussion, we were talking with Matt just about all the health challenges that he went through, and so I know we had just finished talking about, Matt, your the coma and how you came out of that after two weeks. Maybe you want to pick up there and... Yeah. Just go ahead, however you want. Absolutely. So um, if it's okay with you, like I, you know, me being faith-based, I, I do have like a really powerful story of my faith. Um, I think I had already stated I don't push faith in anybody, but I do have right. a really powerful story if it's okay with you to just share. If, um, you sure. know, just, yeah, no, that's part uh, of who you are. Awesome. So, um, so you know, my mom, she, you know, um, she's a Christian and just, um, you know, has really instilled a lot of faith into me. But what had happened was when I was in my two week coma, um, you had Lauren, my wife and my mom and my dad, who pretty much really didn't leave the room um, unless they had to absolutely, you know, um, sleep or Lauren had to go to work, things like that. And my mom, what she did was she set up um three prayer services while i was in a coma and basically what that entailed was um a lot of friends and family would go to um our local church and they would just pray for me and um what i was told was there was hundreds and hundreds of people that would attend these services and um there was even more like thousands of people that they had around the world just like at different churches different areas praying for me and no joke um what what lauren would do is um you know every day she'd come up she would you know come over to me and she would you know kind of like hold my hand and pray mostly for healing um for me to wake up and you know things like that and in the middle of the last prayer service, um, while everyone was praying, you know, at the church, um, Lauren had came over, she was holding my hand praying and, you know, thousands of people around the world. Um, that was the moment that I woke up from my coma and she remember, you know, from what I was told, she kind of like feel my hands and stuff start to move. So she ran over to the nurses, she informed them, um, not even they were like, oh, you know, thinking I was awake yet. Cause you know, no one had any idea when I was waking up. So they ran, grabbed the surgeon, um, and they, you know, finally diagnosed that I was coming out of my coma. And for me, it's just such a powerful story. Cause I felt like this was, you know, God's way of saying Matt, this isn't the end of your journey. This is a brand new chapter I have for you, um, from something that 
is so dark and so difficult. And I think, you know, for a lot of us, um, if we go through, you know, rock bottom situations, sometimes um, in order to see the new light or in order to see the next path in our lives, um, we sometimes have to go through the most challenging moments in our lives. And, um, you know, for me, I felt that was God's way of completely transforming my life and start putting me towards the right direction. Right. That's a wonderful story. And, you know, just all that power of prayer that you had all those, those two weeks. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it made a difference. You know, it's, it's good. I mean, I, and I appreciate that you would share that with us too. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and of course I don't discredit any medical staff or anybody, oh, right, right. Either. you know, I would never do that. Um, they were absolutely incredible too. Um, but I will say, you know, like you said, there's certain things in life where you can't explain and it's timing. Right. And, um, I've seen too many other stories and, and I've connected with too many other survivors and people who've gone through traumatic experiences to know that, um, you know, there's external, uh, you know, uh, sources out there, you know, yeah. that were just, that's just me. So I, I believe yeah. that it was God. Well, no, and I, I had that experience too. I mean, science is, you know, something we have to pay attention to, but they work hand in hand, you know, so I understand what you're saying. So, um, so now you're out of the coma. Where do we go next to this? Yeah. So, um, you'd think, okay, man, awesome. Now you're in the right direction. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot more ups and downs to go still, but, um, you know, unfortunately, about one week out of my coma, I had a catheter in my chest and I had a catheter in my neck to relieve, um, you know, to help with um, any type of kidney or liver damage. And they thought I was potentially going to be on dialysis for the rest of my life. So um, they did start to see some improvements, which was kind of a miracle at such a quick time. So what they did was they said, okay, we're going to remove one of the catheters out of your neck. And as they went to do so, um, I had an air rhythm heartbeat. Um, I ended up falling into um, cardiac arrest. So they had to do uh, close to seven to eight minutes of CPR in me, um, bring me back to life. And I ended up falling into another, really they seduced me into another one week coma. And um, that right there, um, <clears throat> was, you know, kind of like the icing on the cake. You know, I remember waking up and um, I almost felt like I was paralyzed at that point because, you know, I was, I had to relearn to completely relive my entire life again. Um, you know, from laying in that ICU bed to taking my first steps, took over two weeks with multiple nurses helping me. Um, it was a lot of perseverance, um, you know, a lot of difficult moments, but um, eventually, you know, after 40 plus days in the ICU, uh, over 53 days in the hospital, um, I was finally able to persevere. I was finally able to overcome a lot of those obstacles and um, a really powerful story, which I don't remember if I did in part one or said this in part one or not, but um, Lauren and I, um, my wife, we met on March 17th of 2016. Um, very special day for us. You know, it is St. Patrick's Day, but it, it's more than that to us. Um, and for me, um, I was released from that hospital after over 53 days on March 17th of 2017, exactly one year from when we met. Just another miracle yeah. of um, yeah. her being in my life. So, you know, that was uh, a very, very special day for us. It's kind of like a really important anniversary day um, for so, so many reasons. Um, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> even coming out of that hospital, it was a massive, massive um, 
you know, long road and um, hard recovery ahead of me. I was actually dwindled down from close to 200 pounds from all the swelling and everything that had occurred after my surgery to 110 pounds in just a matter of two months. And um, oh, wow. oh. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, what was the most challenging part was there's so many things going on. First, I had to deal with the mental struggles of it of, you know, eight months ago, I was this healthy, young personal trainer um, with such a, you know, I felt like, you know, so much life ahead of me. And now, you know, just eight months later, I'm this dwindled shell type of version of myself that um, when I look in the mirror, it's just like, it's very discouraging. So I had to work through the <clears throat> limiting beliefs of, am I even worthy enough to heal? Am I worthy enough to get back to where I, I used to be? And, you know, I think that was a, my first challenge was just working through a lot of those limiting beliefs and, and a lot of the mental struggles of anxiety and depression and all of that. And after that, um, once I was able to kind of work through those, I could then start taking actionable steps towards healing myself. And how I started healing myself was, you know, really about as basic as you could get. Think of just like, um, I'll show you, I'll give you an example. I had... Okay. Uh, two different lawn chairs. And what I was doing, this is when I was learning to walk again. I put one chair at one end of my driveway and one chair at the other end of my driveway. And what I would do is I'd have a cane, I'd get all my strength up and I'd walk about, you know, 10, 10 meters to get to that chair. And I'd sit down, contemplate life for a little bit, try to say, okay, I'm going <laughs> yeah, yeah. back up and get back. And guess what happened though? The next day I pushed that chair a little bit further. And then I just pushed it a little bit further and a little bit further. And next thing you knew, that chair was going out into the sidewalk. That chair was going further and further. And one day I was with my dad and I said, hey, dad, don't even bring the chair. Don't even bring it anymore. And that was like a vital turning point in my life because I realized if I can complete this journey without always needing assistance, without always, always needing help, and I can do this on my own, what else can I accomplish in life? And that allowed me to then really start to rebuild my strength, start eating calories to pick up, um, you know, the weight back, start lifting some weights, gain my strength back. And next thing you knew, within five, six months, um, I was really on that road to recovery. But there's a lot of challenges up here that I had to endure first. So, so yeah, all those mental hurdles that happen with what you've been through. So, so you say it took about five months to get walking and starting to lift weights and exercise how did you get through the mental hurdles did you have a counselor or did you what advice on that did you, can you share yeah it's a great question so i have three i uh three key things that in my opinion has really really helped me number one um is definitely the support system and the people in my life so finding people I, I think in anything in life when you're trying to go to a next level or you're trying to break through any barriers in your life you need to surround yourself with people who are going to uplift you bring you positive energy and also help you get to that destination mm -hmm. um, i always say that you are the average of the five people that you are around the most and for me um you know i was thankful to have an incredible support system in my friends in my family and um you know to help push me forward on those really challenging and difficult days you know there's days where you just don't feel like you can do it on your own so you need to rely on them um number two of course we'd already talked about this but is my faith i i truly believe that yeah. you know at the end when you start any really challenging journey and 
you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's a, it's always going to be a very lonely journey at times, you know, where you may feel like people can't relate to you or they feel, you feel like you're just kind of on your own in this beginning stage of it. Well, I promise you, if you have that faith, it will help you through those really challenging times. And number three was learning that the greatest investment you can ever make is in yourself. And for me, having a health background and um, already investing myself in the knowledge, because I, I always say this is your body can dwindle um, and you know you can have challenging moments where you have these physical um, struggles, but I promise you the knowledge that you gain won't ever go away. And you know, especially if you um, take the time to learn certain things that I think are very important. I think learning um, you know proper nutrition and and just, you know, how to, um, you know, properly take care of your body. You don't have to yeah. go crazy or anything. But for me, that helped so much when it came right. to the recovery. I knew what I needed to do because I had already had knowledge about um, how to, you know, build strength, how to eat properly, how to get the um, right amount of sleep and, and work through, you know, mental hurdles and things like that. So um, those are the three biggest things, my support system, my faith in the, um, you know, knowledge that I was able to endure along the way. Th those really helped me. And for, re um, you know, for perspective, it really actually took me close to two years to fully heal myself. Um, it took me about three to four months to really start getting that ball rolling and about two years to completely heal my my mind and my body. So, and I've read articles about this and talked to some people, but how was it because you had that really strong support system through the medical team and so you get past that and you're on your own now. Do you have any thoughts on that? Because I know some people have felt, and you have already had a good personal support system. But did the lack of all the doctors, was that a struggle or how was that? That was a great, that's a very good question. It's actually a great question. And it was a hundred percent. I will actually share a short story. So sure, um, yeah. as soon as I got out of that hospital, um, for the first like week and a half, two weeks, I really went into a victim mindset. I went into um, why me and it's very easy. It's very, very easy. And I did this to fall off the wagon when you don't have constant nurses, constant doctors always checking up on you. You know, when you're in the hospital, you you're always getting your vitals. I get blood work every single day. I'd have a, either a surgeon or a nurse coming in for my physical therapy. I get home. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, you get a nurse once a week, you get a physical therapist that comes once a week and that's about it. The rest is on your own and you have to deal with that. And for the first two weeks, I was just like, I was so tired. I had lack of energy. I had lack of motivation. And next thing you knew, two weeks later, I'm in the hospital with um, a standing heart rate of 150 beats a minute. My blood pressure is through the roof. My temperature is over 103 degrees. And I had to stay in the hospital for close to a week because they had to get all of my vitals back down because I wasn't taking care of my body. I was just letting it go down and dwindle. Okay. And, you know, when I came back, um, you know, me and Lauren had a really tough discussion, but a discussion I needed to hear. And it, it went along the lines of, listen, Matt, this is, this isn't just, you know, trying to transform your body or trying to get yourself back to where you are. No, this is literally life or death. If you aren't going to put in the work and you're not going to keep the promises that you make to yourself when you say you're going to do something, um, you may not be here next month. That's the hard truth. So for me, I realized that it was life or death. And not it didn't just switch automatically and all of a sudden I was just this magical person, yeah. but it was daily wins, just one or two 
wins a day that compounded into weekly and monthly um, bigger victories. And then next thing you know, a year comes by and all those small daily compound wins is what allowed me to really heal myself. And I think that's what I would tell anybody in a health journey or any type of journey you're in in healing is focus on today. You know, if you constantly only worry about the future, you're going to create a lot of anxiety. If you're constantly worrying about the past, then you're just going to get depressed. But what you should do is you should learn from the past, stay majority in the present, and, and use those lessons to plan for your future. Perfect. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's that day-by-day mentality that's sometimes hard to maintain. At least it has been for me at times, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's going to happen, you know, down the road? And you just have to go with what's happening right now. So, so how did you, um, so it took you two years to get back to yourself. So where are we, 2019, 2020 now? Uh, 2019, yeah. It was like beginning of 2019, I would say. So what, what, what happened in 2019 or what can you share with us? Yeah, absolutely. So um, just a little bit before that, um, you know, so just a little bit before that, I kind of had this, um, what's next in life moment yeah yeah when a lot of people go through challenging stuff you know and they come on the other side they they realize that whoa i've been given a second chance here and um i feel like there's a greater purpose for me i feel like there's something bigger out there you know and i i I just don't maybe know what it what it is and for me I was deathly afraid to share my story. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do in my life, but I had this internal like energy of like, you know, God just saying that just, just get yourself out there. That's all I ask right now. Just get yourself out there and, and I will guide you the rest of the way. And what I ended up doing was I just started watching like motivational YouTube videos. And all of a sudden I came across this guy named Ed Milet. He's a successful entrepreneur, but he's more than that. He's a very motivational guy as well. And his, his tagline for the podcast he was doing was just called broke to 400 million. It caught my attention. I was like, okay, mm. but like, how the heck did this dude go from broke to 400 million? Well, the coolest part was when I watched him, it was like an hour long. And it had nothing to do with the money. It had everything to do with the struggles, the pain, um, and everything he had to endure to get to be the the very best possible version of himself. And that right there was like, whoa, like that's exactly what I want to do. And I said, okay, how can I get into his community? Just because he he was, you know, somebody that I was looking up to. And the craziest part was he had just started a business mastermind, like no joke, like two months after I seen this video. <laughs> I joined the group. I just took the risk. I joined the group. I said, what do I have to lose? Um, And I started connecting with incredible people. This is the key. If you want to do something. Yeah. Yeah. You started connecting with incredible people. And what happened was in the beginning, um, everyone was just like trying to share their story, trying to get to know each other. And when I started sharing my story, everyone was just like, are you a motivational speaker? Are you this? And I was definitely afraid to share it. So, I mean, I probably wasn't any good at the time, but it was just probably just because I had gone through so much. They're just like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I don't know what I do. And they said, well, you need to start sharing your story. You need to start coaching or helping other people in these similar situations. And I said, 
okay, so let's just take it one step at a time. So I started to do some public speaking. I started to get myself out there. Next thing you knew, um, no, I, um, I'm like, okay, how can I monetize this into more of a coaching? So I start coaching other cancer survivors, helping them through their health, helping them through their mindset. Now I built um, two incredible Facebook groups. One is a, a cancer group with just um, cancer patients, uh, caregivers and survivors. In a matter of about um, two years, we've grown it to over 6,000 members. Um, in about a matter of three weeks, which I just started, um, this is all about health and, and wellness um, for other individuals who've gone through challenging moments. We're already up to over 300 members in that group. And it's just like, you got to put yourself out there, but you also need to surround yourself with two different types of people. Somebody who's already done what you're trying to accomplish. And you can say how, um, what were the steps they took? You know, too many people look at like their idol and they try to see their chapter 20 and compare it to their chapter one. And I say, no, look at their chapter one. And what did they do to get out of the rut? What did they do in the beginning to get themselves going? And then you can start to learn from that and start using it in your life. And number two is finding yourself with people um, in a group setting like I did that have a similar mission or have a similar mindset that are going to uplift you and want to help you to get to your destination. Because a lot of times, unfortunately, when you do start to do something bigger with your life, um, friends and family aren't always going to support you. Um, you know, because sometimes even though they love you the most, um, they don't understand you, what you're trying to do. They don't understand your path. And some friends, um, most of mine are crazy supportive, but you have those one or two people that, um, just they 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 seem to want to drag you down because it just seems like um they can't see the success in their life so they want to kind of bring you down with them as if if whoa if he you know i knew him from high school how could he possibly be doing something bigger than right. what i was able to do you know in my life and, and it's very few but it can hurt when you notice some of these people in your life so um, what I would say is you have to pay attention to the the people that you want to be a part of your journey and who you don't. You know, you make a lot of good points. And one that I'll, I'll ask you about or talk about is the, the group you found on YouTube, the growth to, what was it, however many million. And yeah, is it, the business group was called Arte. So it, that was the business group. But it, um, it was okay. a video that I found, yeah. Yeah, and and I think it's for people who are entrepreneurs, and I'm thinking, I have a PR business, okay? That's a good point because you, to build it, you know, I keep thinking, oh, I need more clients, but really you got to be around other people who need more clients or, have, you know, whatever their business is and, and get ideas. I mean, that's, it's so basic that you don't think that way. You're getting a lot of people about how to move ahead, whatever your next step is. So I think that's wonderful. You found that. Thank you. Um, I think networking is so, so important. You know, a lot of the times, um, when people are like, oh, you know, this person had a lucky break. No, they didn't have a lucky break. What they did was they were able to put themselves out there in uncomfortable right. positions and it allowed them to um, have opportunities that most people wouldn't because they're too afraid to put themselves out there. Well, and, yeah, so you're absolutely right. And you do have to take that risk. And sometimes it, that first step is hard, but then you, people's reaction, like what you experienced, you know, they gave, you know, you had a future, I mean, not, not that you didn't have a future, but they gave you a path, you know, on, on what to do. The other thing is like that your two Facebook groups, and I that's how I met you. It was through that. And talk a little bit more about them. I mean, I I see the messages and people really do connect and show what's going on, and other people support them. And, and I haven't seen your second one, so I'm gonna have to look through that. The one on health, 
Um, yeah. yeah. So anywhere you want, you can tell us about those groups. I think Absolutely. they're really valuable. I appreciate that. Yeah. In my Facebook groups, um, I'll tell you right now, the very first one took me about four months of courage to be able to do it. Um, so many limiting beliefs about it. So many limitations that I was putting into my life of, um, what if, you know, people don't like my message or what if it just flops and people start judging me? And what if, you know, this just isn't the right path. I'm going to put all this time and energy into it. And it just isn't. And I kept having these thoughts over and over and over. But then I also kept having this thought of, just do it. Just take what's called imperfect action, Matt, meaning it's okay to take action. And, and yes, you're going to fall flat on your face a couple of times and fail along the way. So for me, it took about three to four months of courage, um, you know, between Lauren, uh, my dad, um, you know, and, and some other people to just say, just do it. Uh, I finally had the courage and I got it done. And I'm telling you, um, yeah, it's tough in the beginning. You have to, it's, it's a lot of, you know, putting in a lot of work, but I promise mm-hmm. you, the reward that you get of seeing some lives that you're able to change um, is you can't beat it. Um, For me, I went into this group not looking for, you know, coaching clients and money and all these things. I went to this group to help change lives. You know, I went into this group to just give everything I could for free to help people. And I think that is where you will make the biggest change in somebody's life. If you're only doing it because you want to get a coaching client or you want to, you know, try to get something out of someone else and you aren't doing it for pure love, pure, um, you know, desire to make an impact in someone's lives, you are never going to be able to fully be able to, um, you know, express yourself for who you truly are and and make that true impact in someone's life. So that was the whole point of my Facebook groups. And it is still today. And it always will be, Um, you know, I always just give everything I can for free to help people to be a community and to be a family. And, And really, that's what these groups are about is being a family so that we can feel like, um, you know, we're not alone in these circumstances, because sometimes um, it can be really, really lonely in the cancer journey, because we feel like, you know, unless someone's actually gone through cancer, um, it's really hard to relate with what we're feeling, and what we're going through. And then on a caregiver side, it's the same thing. Uh, if we're a patient, it's hard for us to know how the caregiver truly feels unless somebody is um, a caregiver as well. So that's why I wanted all spectrums in the group so that we could really just be um, <clears throat> a plethora of knowledge, but also support and love. Yeah, it's good. And you're right, you have to see all sides of the cancer journey. It's the patient, but it's the caregiver as well. And um, yeah, that's great. So if, what would you tell a young man who find a lab or might think they have testicular cancer what kind of advice do you have for them yep um what i would say number one so this is the weird part is i didn't have any um symptoms in my testicle which is super abnormal most men if you have a symptom down in your testicle or testicle area and it lasts more than a week or two please just go get yourself checked out doesn't mean you have testicular cancer or anything like that but it's very important to go get yourself checked out for me i had massive back pain really i would say um for men and women get a physical every year make sure that you um get some type of blood work too i think you know getting some type of blood work just like a a lab of checking your cholesterol level your um, glucose level which is your blood sugar uh, 
and things like that, just getting a biometric screening, super, super important. And, um, you know, like I was saying, if there's an abnormality in your um, body for more than a, a week or two, I know it can be embarrassing or I know it can be really stressful and it can be very scary, but it's better to go get that checked out sooner than later. And if I would have got my back checked out when I felt like, you know, something was just completely off and I knew I had a really good hunch. It had nothing to do with me working out all the time. Um, I'd probably, instead of being close to, you know, the high stage statistic of cancer to more like a stage one or a stage two. Um, so that's all I would say. And in, in, in testicular cancer is most prevalent in 18 to 35 year olds. So, you know, if you're in that age range, um, just know, just pay attention be you know you can even do your own self-exam you know yeah i mean right so just just always be aware always be conscious um but don't be worried all the time just just be just be conscious of what's going on that's all see i think you mentioned the self-exam and so many of the men i've talked to didn't do that i mean i would say out of almost 50 people maybe three have need to do that or had somebody guide them to do like a tailor said you need to do that and I think that's a big uh, area of improvement. It was the doctors too, with the pediatricians and any doctor just checking that. I mean, what was your experience with, I mean, if I can ask, like with Max, I know nobody questioned that he only had one testicle. Nobody worried that it was like, oh, well, where's the other one? I mean, and I, you know, I, I just felt in hindsight, I find that odd now, wrong. So, yeah. So I used saying like um did i do my own self-examination or are you like what, yeah i mean anything did you have doctors growing up that checked you or did anybody yeah, i you, did yeah so i, I played yeah. a lot of sports i think if you're in sports you you every year you generally okay, yeah that's true yeah you get a physical um but as you start getting into your you know out of high school you a lot of people stop playing sports so guess yeah. what you're kind of on your own and not yeah. a lot of guys out there this is why i say it's so important in your young 20s yeah go get yourself checked out because we think we're invincible. We go to less doctor visits. Chances are you're not even, I know a lot of 20 year olds that haven't gone to a doctor's office in, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, And it's like, listen, you don't have to go because you're sick. You could go just to get a physical or get some type of yearly blood work. I think it's so important to get a biometric screening every year. And that just, just gives you your basic levels. And it, uh, it shows that you're either healthy or there's some ways you can improve. And then they'll just do a basic exam. It's not like they're going crazy or anything. It's super quick. It's not hard. And I think just once a year, it's not going to kill you. If anything, it's just going to be um, a very positive um thing for your life the other thing too i was commenting is you were in uh, a city like where you had a good medical center cleveland clinic and i think that can be a challenge for some people to know where to go to get the best treatment so i think that's another thing just to be aware of or make sure you go somewhere where people people being clinicians have experiences what they're doing so yeah um, you need to yep go ahead Oh, no, you're good. I was just going to say, you just need to trust your, you need to trust your physician. And um, if you don't, then, you know, do some research and find some places where you do find that like, you can connect. Cause I'm going to tell you right now, there's some doctors that I never was able to connect with. And I'm not afraid to switch over to a different doctor that I feel like I actually can open up or I can express my um, thoughts and, and concerns to them because they they feel like they're listening. And some doctors, um, kind of just, you know, you feel like they're just going through the motion or they, you know, you can't connect to them on a certain level. So find somebody that you really feel you can trust in there. Yeah. 
I agree. It's, I think it's true for everybody. We have to be able to connect and talk to that doctor, and the doctor has to be able to listen to you. So, so um, what's next now on your agenda for you personally, professionally, anything you want to share? Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, my biggest thing is now um, helping transform people's lives. So I've been doing that in a few different ways. So every year, um, you know, I host what's called a mustaches for Matt race. So I'll explain this really quick. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So what it is, is ever since I started chemotherapy, um, you know, when I first started uh, my friends, they, um, you know, they noticed I was losing all my hair and everything um, really quickly. And for me, I had this like really like dirty mustache that I was like, I'm keeping on because it's the last bit of hair I got left. (laughs) So all the guys and, you know, my friends, um, dads, everyone were like, we're going to grow mustaches with you for the rest of your chemotherapy. And they did for three months. And when I finally finished chemotherapy, it was right around Thanksgiving. My dad was like, you're, you know, most local cities host was called like a turkey trot. And my dad said, okay, what we're going to do is we are going to just get as many friends, as many family as we can um, to this race. And they can go run the the five or the 10 K race. And, um, but we are going to have shirts and we're going to call it mustaches for Matt. This is all to just support you after, you know, supporting you through your chemo and everything like that. We had thought really, okay, maybe 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 people would show up. No, we had close to over 400 people show up on Thanksgiving morning at like 7 7 a.m. And we're in Ohio, so it's about 30 degrees. And we gave them all T-shirts. It was incredible. We have pictures and things like that. And every single year from then on, except for one day in COVID, you know, one year in COVID because we couldn't do it. But every year we did this on Thanksgiving. And then last year, finally, I said, you know what? I'm ready to take this up to a new level. And I'm going to start my own 5k. I'm going to host my own 5k. And all proceeds are going to a cancer organization of my choosing. And last year, um, I had worked closely with uh, TCF, which is Testicular Cancer Foundation. And they're incredible group of guys. I mean, just absolutely amazing helping these young adults going through cancer and all of our proceeds went there. We donated over $7,000 to this organization through this race. Absolutely incredible. Um, And this year we're hoping to do even more and we're going to donate to a different organization. I can't say yet, but um, you may know the person too. So I'll just put it out there. So I'm going to donate to them. I haven't even reached out to them, but um, I try to donate every year to something different because I just somebody that's super meaningful and has impacted my my life in some way or form. So, um, you know, that is one way that I want to make a huge impact in in the community and other people's lives. Another way is through what I'm doing now, Um, speaking and coaching. I want to really help and this isn't just people uh cancer survivors this is individuals who've gone through challenging moments in their life and i'm helping them rebuild their mindset and rebuild their health through nutrition and proper workouts so that they can ultimately become that strong confident version of themselves and really figure out maybe what's next for their life you know going through the exact same struggle i went through you know not cancer wise necessarily but like going through 
saying, Hey, how do I rebuild my life? And then what is that, you know, next purpose? What is that next path in life? And that's what I really feel is passionate for me because it was such a big part of my life. So those are the ways I'm giving back to the community. Um, it's been incredible and I'm uh, just seeing where God's taking me and I'm uh, trying to enjoy the journey. You know, it can be a lot of ups and downs and stuff like that, but I, I have to realize every day is uh, a blessing and just trying to help others. And you're right. Every day is a blessing. I think we forget that um, sometimes. I know I do. But I think you also, you have a, a strong uh, ability, a gift, Matt, to be able to to share, not just share your story, but like you said, help other people who have gone through a tough cancer journey or any kind of life journey and they're trying to figure out what to do next. And not everybody can do that, but I mean, you can. And I think that's wonderful because people need that, you know, it's, it, it's just a, a wonderful gift that, that that you're taking it the next step, that you're really doing it, if you know what I mean. Not everybody will do that. Yeah. I really and, appreciate that. Um, yeah. And I mean know, that sincerely. I think, so. Thank you so much. And, and I think I want everyone to know that you – have something special in your life as well, your own uniqueness, you know, um, and how I say you can find your own uniqueness is in a couple of different ways, just really quickly is either number one, what I did was going through something challenging and overcoming it. And then realizing that there's other people struggling in a similar situation as you, and you can use that uniqueness of your own journey to inspire and help others. Or it can be something that you're just been really passionate about in your life. Something that is when you um, do the research or you, um, you know, look this up or you're, you're, it's part of your life. It's something that excites you. And it's something that, you know, you find that comes naturally relatively easy to you but doesn't for others. And they also um, could benefit from you helping them. So those are the two ways that you can really use your uniqueness to transform and help other people's lives. And, and it doesn't, it's not like, you know, you just know it right away. You have to, you have to do some research. You have to really put yourself out there in order to be able to figure that out. But I promise you, as you do so, um, you will start to understand and start to realize um, the God, the gifts God has given you. Yep. And you're right. We each have our own gifts and our own uniqueness. So um, thank you for stating that. That's very important. So I want to, before we end, I want you to share again your two Facebook pages, the names and how to find them. Yeah, absolutely. The first one is uh, Cancer Patient Slash Survivor Taking Back Your Life from Cancer. Um, I'll send you the link too. So I don't know if you want to post it anywhere or whatnot, but it's Cancer Patient Slash Survivor taking back your life from cancer. That is my cancer group with over 6,000 okay. members with all the patients, caregivers, and, um, you know, survivors. And the second group is Survivor HQ. Um, Survivor HQ is just the brand name that I um, decided to go with. And it's, all, like I said, it's all about transforming your life as a survivor and becoming the best version of yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, to help you figure out where your next path and purpose is in life. Wow, perfect. My last question so what song, when you hear it, do you just have to sing along to it? Oh, man. Um, gosh, that's a great question. You put me on the spot here. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of really good songs, but um, hmm, I don't know like what song I have to sing along to. Uh, well, I'll say mine and give you time to think. Because I'm a, a big Beatles fan, and I oh, always, I like listen, you know, any Beatles song, I'm singing along, so. That's you. great. Um, I don't know why, like, uh, We Are the Champions. Is that Queen who sings that? 
Is that, yeah, is that, yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but it just came to my head. That was the first thing that came to my head. If it comes out, I'm singing it. So it's yeah. it's, I know it's like everyone's heard that song before, but it is. Beatles are great too. I grew up I grew up with my parents absolutely. My mom loved the Beatles. Um, so that great, great, uh, you know, band. So yeah, it, they are forever. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I think this is good, Matt, and I appreciate all the time you took, and we'll get your story out there on our video podcast and thank you and i hope maybe in a year come back and tell us what's happening thank you joyce i appreciate you having me no it was wonderful so thanks thank you for watching this episode of don't give up on testicular cancer if you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe to our program on your favorite podcast directory you can also visit the Max Mallory Foundation at www.maxmalloryfoundation.com slash podcast to listen to previous podcast episodes or donate to the foundation. Join us again next time for another episode of Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer.